And we know that he hears us whatever we ask. We know that we have what, uh, whatever we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and yet there is a sin that does not lead to death. Wow, I wonder what we make of that passage. Sins that lead to death, things that don't lead to death, and praying for one another in those, or not praying for some people. I'm going to pray right now for us. Father, I pray that as we... um, as we wrestle with this uh, subject, that you would give us life, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, and that you would bring those things that are difficult to understand and uh, give them uh, room in our heart to uh, really come to life. I pray that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Start uh, last week, we sort of finished by talking about the confidence we have when we pray that God will answer our prayers. Do you pray with confidence that God will answer your prayer? Yeah? He says he will. Then he goes on to talk about sin uh, in the believer's life, which is a subject that John often talks about. And he says this, If a believer sees sin in another believer that doesn't lead to death then pray and God will give that person life okay so we all understand that we can move on okay what's a sin that does not lead to death or what is a sin that leads to death actually um, if you and I'm really basing this on, on all that John said he says John says there are some things which are completely incompatible with being a child of God. And those things are, uh, as we've often talked about in 1 John, denying Jesus as the Son of God. Denying Jesus as the Saviour. Uh, denying that Jesus came in the flesh. Or, it's not, it's not compatible with a Christian uh, if they love the world and everything in it. Or if they refuse to obey God's commands. Or if they hate their brother or sister. A Christian will not naturally do these things. So in one simple sense we could say these things lead to death and John has made it clear that all of these things come from the devil. But it's really saying, and in the the following passage he's talking about going on deliberately sinning. Um, It's talking about people who consciously and deliberately do these things they choose death. They will surely die. Do you understand? If you, I mean, we look at that and we go, hating our brothers or refusing to obey God's commands, yeah, we do that sometimes, don't we? But I, I would say this, we don't consciously and deliberately do these things and say they are right. Do you understand? We believe that they are wrong. A Christian hates the world even though sometimes they get caught up in the world. A Christian loves to obey God's commands, even though they don't always do it. Christians love to love. And all of that happens 
And the change that's made them be able to do those things happens when they have faith in Jesus as the Son of God and the Saviour. Now, I'm sorry if I'm going to go around in circles a bit, but this is a hard passage, but it's an important one. So when we believe that Jesus is our Saviour, God changes our heart, and then we want to love and obey, and we don't want to do what the world says. Okay, so the sin that leads to death as John describes it, is ultimately rejecting the Lord Jesus. Okay? That's, that's the sin that leads to death. I mean, it, it's simple in a way if you think, Jesus says, I'm your saviour, and then you reject him, you don't get life, because you don't get the saviour. <laughs> he kind of says, okay, I'll give you what you asked for, doesn't he? Does that make sense? But the person who's trusted in Jesus... That person doesn't reject Jesus, doesn't reject the Father. And so even when they sin, and this passage tells us, you see, sometimes we might think, is this passage saying the Christian will not sin? But that's, that's a silly thing to say because Paul's, as Paul, John is saying, when you see a Christian brother in sin, pray for them. Okay, So he's not saying you won't sin, understand? He's, he's, he's saying this is what we do. But... A Christian, a believer, is overcome with temptation and they sin, and you could say, even against their will. You understand? You do something you hate. You want to love God and you want to love your neighbour and you still believe in Jesus and you hate your sin and still you sin. And you agree that what you've done is wrong. And you long, we long, to be freed from the very things we do. Is that true? Is that your life? Is anybody... Yeah? It's a strange thing, isn't it, really, that we sin and we hate the thing we do and yet we still do it? But you see, if you hate the thing that you do, that's a sign that you are not committing the sin that leads to death because it's a sign that the Lord Jesus is present in you and that you've trusted in him. Okay? When you love your sin, then you need to worry. But when you love your sin, you won't be thinking about Jesus anyway. So can you understand the assurance I'm bringing is that if you do hate your sin, that's a sign actually that the Lord Jesus is present with you. Okay. But when we sin, we would say this. It feels like death, doesn't it? it, it it's... And even though we trust in God, it, it, feels, it feels wrong. It goes against our consciences. It goes against our hearts. It goes against our minds. And when this happens, well, we, sh we should pray that we be restored. We, we need to confess to God and pray. But this passage is saying it is important to pray for other brothers, sisters, when they fall into temptation. Well, when they fall actually into sin. It's really important to pray for people. Okay. We should pray for these people. And by the way, let me tell you, God will answer these prayers and give them life. He says that. Okay. Now, uh, later on, I'll, I'll talk about... It, it, it's, this is talking about praying for brothers and sisters. It's talking about people in the body... In some ways, and this is just a very small tangent, but I will run down this path for a sec, is 
when there's non-Christians who we see stuck in sin, we more need to pray for their salvation rather than... I mean, I know that uh, if your kids are stuck in sin, you really want to pray that they stop it, but um, uh, because it causes pain or people's sin causes you pain. But um, in reality, uh, what we don't want to get in our heads is the thought that here is a person, okay, they're not a Christian and they've got four bad habits, maybe they, maybe they drink too much, maybe they smoke too much, maybe they swear too much and they lie too much. And so we pray that they will stop drinking and, it, and they do. So they're, well, they're kind of a quarter away being saved, aren't they? Are they? You know, and then they, maybe they eventually do the other four things. That won't put them in a good place. That'll actually put them in a place of self-righteousness. They are not, by dropping sin out of a life, you're not heading towards God. Do you understand? The way a person is saved is by, by faith in the Lord Jesus. And that's what that they come to faith. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But this is talking about prayer for people who are in God's family who we see sinning. And it means quite simply this, understand this, you should never accept sin in your life, even if you do it. Don't ever get in the habit, and sometimes we get tired and lazy and we get in the habit and say, well, we all sin, yeah, it's, it's never acceptable. Do you understand that? It's not ever the norm for a Christian, and so we pray for one another. This is a question that you can answer. Do you understand what I've said so far? Does that make sense to you? Okay. A question you might ask, and uh, I didn't ask it till I read someone else ask it. It says, why do you need to pray to somebody who has a sin that doesn't lead to death? <laughs> I'm going to die anyway. Yeah? Why bother? Why bother praying for it? Well, there's two reasons. One, because sin is a drain in our lives. It causes us to lose our joy. It causes us to fall under the accusations of the evil one, to not live life to the full. It causes doubts. Our confidence drops away. Basically, sin's painful and we hate it. Well, why wouldn't we want to pray for other people that they don't live in that? That's fair enough, isn't it? Pray for it, especially knowing that God's given the promise that he'll answer. He will set people free. Okay. Just, so... Pray for those we see in sin because we want them to live in the fullness of life. And we don't want fellow Christians to live in guilt and shame, especially when Jesus came to bring that full and abundant life. It's actually saying that we have this gift we can give to one another of encouragement that comes by not even going to them and talking to them, but just praying for people, and God will actually do something in their life to help people overcome sin. That's actually a great blessing we can give to one another, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that good? The second reason is this, and, and this is if you see your brother sinning, pray for them. Do you know that if you see your brother sinning, they're probably a fair way down the sin path already? Most of the sin that happens in your brother, you don't see. In fact, when it starts to go from the place of being bad thoughts to bad action, they've actually, there's, there's been a few steps along the way. And it puts them at a place which is really quite serious. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, a person doesn't just say, I've got a happy marriage, everything's going good, and then one day just suddenly commits adultery. It doesn't really happen like that. 
there's actually a fair, fair bit of lax thoughts and uh, looseness of mind and stuff that goes before that. You know, suddenly you don't just lay into somebody. There's a fair bit of anger and build up and unforgiveness and, and things. You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, they've actually gone a long way down a path. And so it's important that they are turned from that. Okay? Do you understand those two points? There's good. Yep, I saw a couple of nods. I'm assuming everybody else is awake still. Okay, it is very important that we pray for people before that sin gets out of control. If you see sin, when you see your brother, before you even tell other people about that sin and gossip, pray for them. Okay? When you're laying on bed in, in your bed or, or working in the, uh, the kitchen or working in the paddock or whatever and you think of someone and they annoy you, pray for them straight away. If their actions are annoying you, if you see sin in their life, pray for them straight away. Don't take that thought. It'll actually set you free too, by the way. Uh, set you free from that thing we do when we, when we run people down our mind. Okay. Uh, John says... All wrongdoing is sin, that's verse 17. And there is sin that does not lead to death. Even in the Christian, sin is wrong, and it still remains sin, but it's not the characteristic of the Christian life. There's no real classes in sin. Do you know that? It's just sin. Okay, but refusal, I'll say it again. Refusal to trust in Jesus is the sin that leads to death. Okay. We all know that we have doubts about Jesus sometimes. We sometimes disobey, we don't love as we should, and the world grows up around us. But we can never accept that. And we Christians do not turn their back on God's plan for forgiveness through Jesus. Okay. We have a good God has given us so much as, as believers. And uh, this here, what I've told you about today, is kind of, the, it's, it's called intercession. It's where we bond ourselves with our brothers and sisters by praying for them and loving them in prayer. It's, it's a great gift of uh, seeing someone struggling and firstly, before we even talk to them of, of standing alongside them in a sense standing in the uh, in the breach for them by praying for them we don't want uh, them to go through that pain okay that is one great gift that God's given us to help our brothers and sisters who are in sin can you see what I'm saying now, I want to say this. We have it very good, and just to take a big step back from this action that John calls us to, um, God is really patient with us. Do you, ever, do you ever get the feeling, gee, God's good with me. I, I, really, I really messed up again, and he seems to still love me. And, and I sinned, and I felt that death, and then I confessed, and somehow... This miracle happened that I felt close to God again. He just kind of forgave me again. God is good to us. 
He is incredibly patient, tolerant. It, it is so good. He saved us when we had nothing good in us, just by his goodness and his righteousness, freely through Jesus Christ. He, do, he did not give us what our sin deserved, and he does not give us what our sins deserve. He goes on purifying us. He goes on washing us. He goes on giving us grace and loving kindness. And it's just every time we sin and receive God's grace, it just shows it even bigger how incredibly compassionate and loving and gracious he is, doesn't it? His, his grace has no bounds. And Jesus stands right now at the right hand of the Father doing what? Interceding for us. Praying for us. Right now, he is praying for you and I. Isn't that good? He's telling the Father of our righteousness that's come through him. He's reminding the Father that we're his children. And then, so can you see, Jesus is there praying for us and we are given the mind of Christ and we then intercede for one another in the same way that he prays for us. And we remind our brothers and sisters that they are children of God. You know, sometimes uh, what we want when, we, when we've sinned is somebody to come and tell us we're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Isn't it terrible when someone comes and tells you, by the way, you're a child of God? <laughs> what draws you back quicker? We intercede for one another. We pray for, for our brothers and sisters who fall into sin and God gives life. The same way as he gives life through Jesus' prayers, the same way as he gives life through the, the, his death on the cross and the constant purification of sin that he brings us. We started verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. He is answering our prayers of intercession. Jesus is praying for us, I'll say it again, so as God's children, we have the mind of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and we are led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us that same deep compassion and gentleness and faithfulness and patience for people who keep falling into sin. And we forgive again and again. And we love again and again and we pray for again and again. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we do that, we participate in the divine nature because we're living as God lives. We show the same grace. You've fallen again. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to go with you and I'm going to intercede for you. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying? We are part of the process of... of our brothers and sisters not overcoming sin. Now, if God is doing all that, he, yes, he sent his son to die for us. Yes, he goes on purifying us in that sanctifying process. And yes, uh, he stands at the right hand of the Father. And yes, we pray for one another. Then I'll ask you this. If God's for us, who can be against us? Who will overcome us as Christians? In this family of the Father, we are locked together with the Son. 
And, and we are one. There's this bond, and it's an ever-growing bond, and that bond will grow chiefly in us as Christians when we pray for one another. Can you hear that? Pray for one another. It, it, it's strengthening the bond of the church family just as God is himself. And Jesus is praying for us, and not only that, Romans 8 tells us, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, in us, bringing us his words. What I'm saying is, will all this, the devil, the world, and the sinful nature will not prevail. Isn't that good news? Because when I talk about Christian sin and Christian sinning, it's it, oh, here we go. This is so negative. No, no, no. This is telling you there is so much God has given us that will make us overcome and evil will not overcome and God's grace and mercy didn't stop at the resurrection and it didn't stop at Pentecost and it didn't stop at our conversion. He goes on pouring his grace on us and he goes on driving sin from our life and we're involved in that in one another. That's what makes the church family the family. Because let me tell you, when your kids sin, you seem to have a lot more grace for them than when your neighbour's kids sin, don't you? When you're part of a family, you kind of get this, you get a bit more forgiveness and a bit more patience. Right. When we become one in this family, we actually have a lot more gracious compassion on those who sin like we do our own children. It's a great gift to be able to pray for one another. Now, also, understand this. Paul says in Romans 10.1, he's talking about himself and the people of Israel. He says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Can you see? I, this is people who are not Christians. I love those people. And I, my heart's desire and my prayer is that they be saved. He loves those people. You know, um, he desires that they be saved. God answers those prayers too. We can pray for non-Christians and God will bring about conversion in those. He hears our prayers. So I'd encourage you not only to pray for Christians, pray for non-Christians. I finish with a, uh, a, just an example um, from... Uh, you know the disciples. There was one. There was a lot of things that they kept doing, which were was a bit dumb. But there was one sin they kept falling back into. They wanted to be the number one dog. The the you know I want to sit at the right hand of the father. I want the honoured place table. They said things like that. Um, it, I want to sit at your right and your left. But James and John asked that, and and uh, anyway, uh, in Luke twenty two. The, the same things come up again. And Jesus says this to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, you'll strengthen your brothers. Hear that? I, Satan wants to crush you he wants to squash you. He wants to make you live permanently in your doubt and unbelief. He wants your faith to fall in a heap. That's what Satan wants. He wants you to disobey his commands. He wants you to hate one another. 
He wants you to love the world. And he is always trying to bring mess into your life. But Jesus prayed for Simon. And he prays for us that our faith will not fail. And when you've turned back, okay, I pray that your faith will not fail. And when you go through that hole, because you will, that you'll strengthen your brothers. Can you see how that happens? You, you know that. Oh, yeah. I did that. You know, God still loved me. I fell in that heap. God still loved me. We can strengthen one another. And then we know, rather than when we go through, do you understand what I'm saying? We go through sin. We, we, our faith dwindles. And then God brings us back because Jesus has prayed for us and he goes on praying for us and we're praying for one another. And, and in those times we can say, yeah, I went through a dry time like that. Yeah, I really want to encourage you. God doesn't change. He doesn't go away. I really want you to know he's with you and he keeps on forgiving you and he even forgives your doubts. Can you understand what I'm saying? We will not be overcome by sin. We will be restored to true life through Jesus and our prayers will be answered. We will prevail in Christ and one day we will sit together at the Father's table and we won't care who's in the best seats. They won't bother us. Even if we've got the fold-out chair at the end. And sin will never be with us again. We will never fall into temptation again. We will never experience guilt and shame again. We will never experience the feeling of death again. We will have life eternal. Forever. And it will be very good. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the life eternal that you've given us even now. And I pray that you would stir this message in our hearts that we might be people who pray for one another, who love one another, who have compassion and patience and perseverance with one another. I pray that we won't be those who judge and condemn and gossip, but we will be those who encourage and build up that we would be those who pray for your Holy Spirit to come, that we'll be with those who are a blessing to one another. I pray that we would just all receive more and more of your gift of encouragement, of your gift of forgiveness, of faith. And Father, renew in us the confidence in prayer. Renew in us the surety that you hear us and that you answer us in our prayer. That we might be a people that are edifying and bonding together your body. That we would be glue that sticks the church together, not that which tears apart. And Father, we also want to uphold before you members of our own families and uh, friends of ours who don't believe in you in our heads we just we name them to you now and father we pray that you would pour out your mercy and grace that you would bring your salvation and i pray this in jesus name amen
fine coffee near me. 